Today's unlikely hero is David. So we're going to be looking at this young shepherd boy that was turned into the king of Israel. Before I get into the message, I'd like to share something that's really part of my testimony. It was before I met my best friend, my lovely wife, Debbie. It's before we met. It's a few years before. I was... I was doing all I could to live. I was living that God-first life. I was really pouring in. I had just given my life, to rededicated my life to serve the Lord. And I was doing my best to live that God-first life. I was reading my Bible every day. I was praying, talking to God. I was going to church. Um, I was serving at my church. I, be, I had grown into a, a leader of the serving teams and small groups at my church. I was doing the best to be the leader that God called me to be. I remember reading about this story of David where, where God called David a man after his own heart. I like the way Paul says it in Acts 13, 22. After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. David's the only man we read about in the Bible that God ever called a man after his own heart. I thought, what an awesome thing. I wanted this. Wouldn't you like to be called a man or a woman after God's own heart? Wouldn't you like that? Would you like for God to consider you that? So one morning, thank you for saying yeah. <laughs> so you can talk back. So one morning while I was driving to work, I was, I was praying and talking to God, and I asked him, consider me just like you did of David. Consider me a man after your own heart. And I asked him, I said, remove from me, remove from my heart anything that is not of you. I asked him to remove it. I wasn't looking for any personal gain. I wasn't looking to go into a full-time ministry. Because I knew that being a leader in my company, a leader at church, that I already had this, this mission field that God needed me in right there. So it didn't happen overnight. Actually, it may have been a couple of, couple of years later. But he sure did remove things from my life. He removed people, relationships, job, finances. It was like everything seemed to be crashing around me. I was, I was truly heartbroken and I was hurting. I didn't think I had any idols in my life, but when I looked back, I was placing many things above my relationship with God, many things. The funny thing is that when these things started happening to me, I didn't realize I had prayed for it. I had, I had asked God to take these things from me. It might have been two or three years later but I asked him. And then one day, my son Jason, who was in the eighth or ninth grade at the time, gave me a little gift called the David Stone. And the other side of the stone says, no problem is too big for God to handle. And from that point on, I keep this in my pocket just as a reminder that no problem is too big for God to handle. He hears our prayers, and I believe he protects 
and blesses his children. God comforted me through this time of, of sorrow and pain that I was experiencing. I know he, he did it for me, and I know he'll do it for you. So no matter what problem is in front of you right now, or you're in the middle of, remember that what was just on the screen. There's no problem too big for God to handle. When you're put to the test, stay faithful, trusting that God has a plan to get you through this, and he will prosper you on the other side. He turns my test into a testimony, and he'll do it for you. Amen? Amen. All right. So this week's message about the unlikely hero, David. We're going to be in 1 Samuel today. Most of the story, we're going to be in chapter 16. So you can flip to your Bibles, or it's, won't be able to read them if you have a paper Bible. So click to your Bibles, I should say. But I, I want to give you a little context before David comes into the picture. Through the years, Isra the Israelites had many leaders. Uh, the first leader was Moses. He led the nation of Israel for around 41 years. 40 years, they were wandering around in the desert, and God kept giving them miracle after miracle. Uh, then Joshua comes into the scene. I've read accounts to where Joshua led Israel 30, and I've also read some arguments, 30 to 52 years. So somewhere around there. So a long time, Joshua led the nation of Israel. Then after that, they had judges and priests that led Israel for hundreds of years, 400, 450 years in that range. So the prophet Samuel was a prophet and judge. He helped lead the nation of Israel for some 50 years. The cool thing about Samuel Samuel was a miracle child. His mother, Hannah, could not have children, but she prayed and prayed, and God heard her prayers and blessed her with a child. Perhaps you may have experienced that with a child. Perhaps someone in here right now or online watching us on the, on the video, perhaps someone in here is praying to get pregnant and conceive a child that will be dedicated to serve the Lord. God hears your prayers. Keep praying, keep believing. He is faithful. The Israelite nation came to Samuel and demanded a national king. 1 Samuel 8, verse 5, they said to him, you are old. Okay, I always stop right there. Like, it's not a great way to start a conversation with those of us that might be. So as I'm maturing in life, please don't say you're old. And then the next thing, probably just as bad, and your sons don't follow your ways, but the John version reads, okay, you're old and your sons are a bunch of idiots. <laughs> now, appoint, now appoint a king to lead us, such as the other nations have. They would like, they, they would like to be like these other nations that didn't believe in God, nor have the, the fear of God. They didn't have the favor of God. The Israelites at this moment had forgotten all that God did for them, and they wanted to be like these other nations. Although they may look successful on the outside, on the inside there was turmoil, greed, self-serving and self-serving leaders that only had their best interest in mind. Samuel tried to talk them out of going in this direction, but they refused, and God directed Samuel to anoint Saul as king of Israel. Now, King Saul was this tall and handsome man from the tribe of Benjamin. 
1 Samuel 9, 17 says, when Samuel caught sight of Saul, the Lord said to him, this is the man I spoke to you about. He will govern my people. Saul, as king, led and conducted several successful military campaigns that did make the nation of Israel stronger, but Saul had a big problem. He was dishonest and lacked integrity. Saul was not humble. He failed to follow instructions from the prophet Samuel, which were direct instructions from God, and when that happened, things started to spiral out of control, and his downfall begins. 1 Samuel 13, verses 13 and 14 says, You have done a foolish thing, Samuel. Excuse me. He's, this is Samuel talking to Saul. You have done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You have not kept the Lord your God, the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord here we go, has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's commands. We didn't know who that was at that time, who a man after his own heart, but there God was talking about David. There were consequences for King Saul's actions and not following the commands of the Lord's. There were consequences. Israel was looking for a king God was looking for a heart. During Saul's reign as king, he plotted to kill David multiple times. He ordered the killing of several priests, as well as the entire population of Nob, where, where the priests were from, were from. Saul was so messed up, he even consulted a witch one time before going to war. Saul's heart, we've got an image to show or a chart. Saul's heart was one that feared man, he was a worrier, not a, war, not a warrior. He was a worrier. He desired men's applause. He desired their approval. He was paranoid. His heart was filled with, with raging jealousy, even. And he was self-preserving. He was only looking out after his best interest. And if others prospered, well, then so be it. But it was all about him and his prospering. The reign of King Saul was set to be successful, but his impatience and lack of belief made him fail, which was a lesson for David and for us. Okay, now I can get into David. It's a little background there. So here's some cool facts about David. This is really cool. He is second. He's number two to Jesus on the amount of times he's mentioned in the Bible. That's pretty cool to be Number two, to Jesus, right? The amount of times he's mentioned in the Bible. He's got 66 chapters all chronicling his life and seasons of his life. He's mentioned 59 times in the New Testament. Ancient documents claim that David wrote some 3,600 to 4,000 songs. And he is also attributed for writing 73 of the 150 poems in the book of Psalms. So David is an important character, and God wants us to know about David and all the characters around him. Even though David was a flawed man, he was God's chosen one to be king of Israel. Through his offspring, Jesus, the king of kings, lord of lords, would be born. 
through King David's offspring. There are so many stories about King David, from him coming from humble beginnings as a young shepherd boy, to killing a giant, being a great military hero, leading the nation of Israel to prominence, and being feared by other nations because of the favor of God over David and Israel. David leads Israel and conquers Jerusalem, which was a really big deal. He is truly a great king. And then he commits adultery with Bathsheba. He kills her husband in an effort to cover up his sin. The prophet Nathan confronts David for this sin, and there are consequences to his actions. There's turmoil in King David's family. His oldest son, Amnon, abuses his, sexually abuses his sister, Tamar, and David does nothing about it. He ignores what the Jewish law says on how to deal with such an offender. So one of David's other sons, Absalom, decides to take the law into his own hands, and he kills Amnon. Now to make sure I get the aid names right. <laughs> so he murders Amnon. By the way, Amnon was next in line to be king of Israel. Absalom then leads a coup to try to kill his father. And Absalom, he dies this strange death that you can read about in 2 Samuel 18. So I give you a little homework there. So read about, it's, it's, it's an odd death. But at the end of David's life, I'm sure he looked back and had regrets for what he did or what he didn't do. And because of his poor judgment, his family suffered. So when I was put on the calendar to preach about today's unlikely hero, David, I prayed and prayed. I asked God, of all the stories of David, we just heard he's, in the, he's second to Jesus in the Bible. What, what, should I, what should I speak about? God kept bringing me to this story when Samuel, the prophet Samuel, anoints David in 1 Samuel chapter 16. So in verse 1, is where we'll be starting, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. You have mourned long enough. You have mourned long enough. That's for somebody... That's for somebody here or somebody watching. You have mourned long enough. God has a breakthrough for you. It's not behind you, but before you. So stop looking in the past. Stop looking in the past. Start focusing on what's about to happen, on what's ahead. Get ready and prepare your heart. A breakthrough is about to happen. Turn to your neighbor and say, a breakthrough is about to happen. Heard a few of you out there. God tells Samuel to go to Bethlehem to find a king. This story is so connected to the gospel, foreshadowing Jesus. I love it. All right, verse 2. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you. 
which I always, you know, where we are some 2,000-something years later, take a heifer with, like, I always laugh when I read stuff like that. So, moving on. The Lord said, take a heifer with you. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Samuel misses it here. Samuel the prophet misses it in verse 6. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord, the Lord's anointed, stands here before the Lord. I'm sure Eliab was this tall and handsome man and looked the part just like King Saul did. Verse 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Don't judge by his appearance or height. People look at outward appearances, but the Lord looks at the heart. The measuring stick is the heart. Oftentimes, we can't see it. Does anyone here interview or hire people? I see a couple hands out there. So oftentimes, we miss it when we're interviewing. We miss the heart of the person we're, we're, we're talking to. We look at qualifications, we look at education, experience, their track record of success, how buttoned up they are. But what's their heart like? So I have a friend that I, that I work with that's in leadership with me, and oftentimes we talk about hiring or other initiatives that we have within our company, and we talk about is it a a skill or a will issue. Because we always say, like, if you have the will, let me put it like this, if you have the heart to do something, we'll teach you the skill. So we try to look at it like, is it a, a will thing? Is it a heart thing? It's hard to see, though. If you have the will or the heart, we can teach you the skill. It's attitude over aptitude at that point. I used to have a picture in my office that read, your attitude determines your altitude. If you have a heart after God, your attitude will raise you up to the top. Amen? Verse 8. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shema pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons passed before Samuel, but Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen these. Seven sons came out, but none were selected. God hasn't chosen any of these guys. Jesse only brought out seven of his sons. He didn't even consider David worthy to attend the banquet. I'm sure, I'm sure David knew there was a party going on and wasn't invited. This probably wasn't the first time this had happened. The Bible says David was born in an equity. So more than likely, he was the stepson to Jesse. David was left alone to work in the fields with the sheep. 
he was not included. Probably considered an outcast to his family, or at least he was to his dad and his brothers. I'm sure his heart would hurt. Then he would be comforted by talking to his heavenly father while he was out there tending the sheep. He would probably say something like this from one of his poems in the book of Psalms. Father God, I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. I can picture him saying that. David comes in, verse 11. So he asked Jesse, this is Samuel asking Jesse, are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. Jesse did not believe or value David. Even though we may not be visible to man's eyes, you are valuable in God's eyes. Let me say it like this. Just because you are not visible does not mean you are not valuable. Little did David know that while he was working in the fields, God was preparing him to take care of the sheep of Israel. Serving others and doing good works prepares you for future leadership. Those of you serving here at church or at home, at work, in the community, God is preparing you for a future leadership role that is much bigger than you think. Keep doing what you're doing, loving and serving people. And here's another thing we all love, rejection. Doesn't everybody love to be rejected? <laughs> but, but actually, sometimes it's a good thing for us to be rejected. It's good for us to learn. Look, David would be the greatest king up until Jesus comes. Rejection can sometimes feel like humiliation. But I'll challenge you to change that mindset and look at it like this. What looks like humiliation is actually preparation for an acceleration towards your destiny. Leaders don't, don't last for, forever. And leadership is really about stewardship. So how are you stewarding the season you're currently in? Are you valuing this current season? Remember, God looks at the heart. When David missed it, he still put his hope and trust in the Lord. David, the anointed future king of Israel, here he is, a young teenage boy. He's a songwriter. Worship leader, sure. But king? Verse 12 says, so he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. God says, this is the one. David may have gotten discouraged, even as king. But he knew how to speak. And obviously, right in all those songs, he knew how to sing to his discouragement. I can visualize David in the pasture with a sheep right now, singing, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. The Lord is my shepherd, leads me to still waters. He restores my soul. Will you sing it with me? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. 
The Lord is my shepherd, leads me to still waters. He restores my soul. Hey, give yourself a pause for that. Hey, for a guy that can't sing, that was, I've pushed myself there. So there was, so there were auditions yesterday, but on behalf of Heather, you were all in. You may not be up here, like, like I won't be up here. Ken's giving me a dirty look over there. Um, I won't be up here singing, but if I preach every now and then, I might sing to the Lord because, hey, God loves it no matter what your voice sounds like audibly. He loves it when we praise and, and sing to him. Amen? Amen? All right, so you're all hired. You're all in. <laughs> Worship team. And I think Heather's going to have more auditions coming up sometime. Um, so, but the thing, keep, keep coming before God, though. Like David, you know, I surrender. I surrender, is what he says. I surrender. I am yours, Lord. Use me as you see fit. I trust that you will guide me and restore me in my time of need. Verse 13. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him. This is really cool. I think it's cool. He anointed him in front of his brothers. It doesn't say his dad, but you know his dad's there. He anointed the little go work in the fields, the little kid, get out of our way. You're not really part of the family. You're only half of the family. Anointed him in front of his brothers and his dad. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then, it says Samuel then went to Ramah. Samuel went to Ramah. He didn't lead a political campaign to get David elected. He didn't lead that political campaign for David. David was anointed, but he was not yet appointed. Let me give you four things that David was. David was faithful in the field. What field are you in right now that God is saying, just be faithful? Is there something that you know God has called you to? Be faithful to where you are right now. God will honor your faithfulness. The second thing David was, David was faithful in the familiar. He didn't complain. He showed up every day with a good attitude and did his job. Many years ago, I was given some advice from a, from a wise man. He said to show up on time every day with a good attitude and get something done. He said, that was a good day. Those five things, that was a good day. The third thing David was, David was faithful when forgotten. When the world forgot about him, God was with him. When his dad forgot about him, it was all good because the father to the fatherless, his heavenly father, was with him. When you feel forgotten or rejected, stay faithful. God will never forget you. He sent his only son. He sent Jesus just for you. Think about that. He is with you. He loves you so much. Remember in your rejection that what you feel as humiliation is actually God's preparation for an acceleration towards your destiny. God is always watching. Are you working with integrity? Are you faithful in the field you are in? Are you faithful in the familiar? 
Are you faithful when things don't go your way and are perhaps forgotten? So in closing, and the worship team can start coming up. Remember that, that image or the chart that I showed of Saul's heart. So in contrast, David's heart. David's heart was a heart. There we go. <laughs> David's heart was a heart that feared God. He was a worshiper, not a warrior like Saul was. His heart thirsted for God's presence. His heart was filled with peace, full of love, and a servant leader. A toxic heart like Saul's produces toxic leadership, but a healthy heart like David's produces healthy leadership. Remember, the heart is God's measuring stick. He turned the unlikely, turned this little shepherd boy, David, into a great leader, and he'll do it again. Amen? Can I pray for you? Heavenly Father, Lord, God, we just, we just thank you, God. We thank you for this story about, about David that you called a man after his own heart. there's something if there's something with every everybody in here praying if there's something in your heart that you feel is not of God that you want to pray we are here in agreement praying with you to, to remove remove from our lives anything that is not of Jesus and replace it with his love and his grace so God, we thank you for who you are and who your son Jesus is, that we can look to, to you no matter what, that you are always with us, no matter when we feel rejected or hurt, no matter what pains in the past, that we can lift them up and give them to you, Father. So God, I just thank you for what you're doing in our church. And we love you and we honor you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.